What is time? I feel ever since 2020 hit, I have had no sense of it whatsoever. One second ago, I thought it was March and we were about to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. And now we just finished February and Valentine's Day of 2021. Honestly, where did that all go? Time is a tricky thing, and it's something that civilization has been trying to figure out for a long time, you know? Time is honestly the greatest currency. We're always trying to figure out the best ways to utilize it, how to spend it, and the most daunting question of all, and one that is all too familiar, is the feeling that we're always running out of it. I know I've been really struggling with this construct a lot. You know, I feel that a lot of young people want to make it to the end of the finish line without even running the race. And life is not just a quick sprint of a race, it's a marathon. One thing's for certain, we're all taking different routes in order to reach the finish line. Many of us are taking routes that other people will have no idea what we have seen and what we've experienced. With 2020, with 2021, with COVID, with everything shutting down, I know for certain that I have struggled with trying to keep my head in the game and try to stay focused. And here I am just sitting in my room at times thinking, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? I just graduated college May of 2020. I thought I had things figured out prior to COVID. It all collapsed. Where is my life going? I'm never going to be any of the things that I set out to be. Those are the negative voices in my head that come out every once in a while because it's feeling like I am wasting and or running out of time. But then you got to think of it this way. This is a transitionary period. This is a launching pad. Yes, everything has stopped and there have been so many atrocities that has happened across the world. But one thing's for certain, it's given us a moment to kind of sit back and reflect upon ourselves and try to work forward. And then you see those things on social media. At 23, Tina Fey was working at the YMCA. At 23, Oprah was fired from her first reporting job. At 27, Vincent van Gogh failed as a missionary and decided to go to art school. At age 30, Harrison Ford was still a carpenter. At 30 as well, Martha Stewart was a stockbroker. Julia Child released her first cookbook at 39 and had her own cooking show at 51. Stan Lee didn't release a comic book till he was 40. Sam Jackson didn't get his first movie role till 46. And Morgan Freeman didn't land his until 52. It just goes to show that that concept of I'm running out of time or it's too late for me to try to accomplish something is absolute malarkey. It means nothing. What matters is your mentality and your tenacity to go after whatever that is. And you know what? As I said, we all take different paths and we all take different routes and we're all going to go in different directions. But all that is necessary for wherever we end up. We may not know it yet. We may not understand the reason. But it'll come together in the end. I know I can't wait to see what my end product is. And you know what? Neither should you. Thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Walsh Wednesday, the Reflective Series. Today, this is a very special episode. I have my cousin, singer-songwriter Annette Waslick on. Today, she's going to talk about her music, her current album, Love and Fire, and much, much more. All of that, right after this. I want to say thank you to all the listeners out there. Whether you're listening to this podcast, to my album, Away From Home, and other releases, and simply just following along with whatever I have to offer. I mentioned this before, but this podcast is kind of like my therapy. I get to talk about subjects that mean a lot to me, and I get to share the stories of incredible people. Any and every little bit of support has been appreciated, and I love the little community that we've carved out for ourselves. Obviously, there are so many ways to support, but I suggest checking out my Patreon page and perhaps purchasing my album on Bandcamp or 
downloading it wherever you choose to listen to your music. And of course, word of mouth. All of y'all being helpers and telling others what we have going on here means a lot. And hey, if there's anything or anyone you might want to hear on this podcast, let me know. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. After a year like 2020, I have no idea what 2021 has in store, but I look forward to tackling it all with you. Hey, everybody. Thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Walsh Wednesday, the Reflective Series. And don't we got a very special episode for you guys today. We're kind of keeping it close to home and bringing on some blood. We got my cousin on for this episode. And this is really special because it wasn't until recent years that we've connected and getting to know each other. So this is really special and I'm really happy to have her on. So today we have singer, songwriter, and songwriter wrangler, Annette Waslick. Annette, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great and uh, very happy to be able to connect like this. Shame that face-to-face, but you know, Zoom, it, Zoom works, right? Right. So one thing I want to mention, songwriter wrangler, not a term that you hear every day, but it sounds intriguing. And I know that you work on a lot of different showcases. Could you uh, talk about that aspect of what you do? I just can't help myself but try to bring together artists of all kinds. Um, a long time ago, I started a annual party called Raising the Dead Poets and Other Peaked Gods. And it was a party where I brought all my friends in who danced or wrote poetry or sang or were visual artists. The first time I ever threw that party that night, I was so filled with complete happiness. I thought, I could uh, die happy tonight. So, yes, I love bringing artists together. love running showcases, and I am starting an online showcase called Tacoma Girl and Guests, and I'll be bringing people on from around the area and around the country and around the world, and maybe I'll bring on Connor Walsh himself hey. as well. <laughs> That'd be great. I'd love to join somehow, some way. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, very cool. And you'll definitely have to let us know uh, when something like that's coming up so uh, we can plug it over here as well. That sounds awesome. When are you looking to get that up? Actually, uh, the next one, I've, I've done one. The next oh, one, great. The next one will be Thursday, February, I believe it's 18, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Beautiful, beautiful. Hey, just, just in time for us to get this episode right in ahead of time. That's awesome. Yeah. Very, very cool. All right, before we get into the heart and the nitty gritty of the interview, let's show everybody some music. Let's get into some of the songs. So uh, the very first song that we're going to be showcasing today is your song off your album. All these songs are going to be off the album, Love and Fire. And the first one here is Shinkatig. And that's kind of, if I remember reading up correctly, kind of a homage to uh, the Virginian Island, just kind of this magical, beautiful place that it is. Yes, it's a barrier island off the coast of northern, fairly northern Virginia. And it's a place I fell in love with probably over 20 years ago. Uh, And at that time, it was a land that time forgot. And it was a gentle, sweet place to bring the family for a summer vacation. And the next barrier island out beyond Chincoteague is Assateague, where the wild horses roam. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. And my spirit just loves it when I go there. So I wrote that song in Chincoteague on a beautiful screen porch overlooking the water and the reeds and the sky. Wow, that sounds awesome. Though we can't all be there at this present moment, we can all escape a little bit into this song. So for all of you guys to listen to now, this is Chincoteague by Annette Waslick. Sun. 
That was great, Annette. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So now let's go back a little bit to, you know, more of the beginning. Talk about the introductions and the inspiration of your musical journey for us. Ah, well, when I was very, very little, I spent quite a lot of time hiding under the piano. Um, (laughs) Piano was a kind of safe place. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I love listening to Clancy Brother and other old folk records. Uh, I would I would find a nice spot behind another chair. I was hiding under furniture or behind furniture as a child. There was a lot going on, a lot to get out of the way of. <laughs> Just keep a low profile. And so <laughs> when I was keeping a low profile, I was listening to a lot of music that had stories and lyrics and harmonies and um, a lot of a lot of folk influence in that way. Um, but my mom was a great musician, a great music lover to and played piano and cello and she introduced me to more of the classics and my dad uh, came from the mountains of uh, North Carolina but he insisted he had no singing voice and in fact my dad and his sister would have 
sing-offs to see who sang worse than the other. Uh, so <laughs> we had a, a kind of a, a funny relationship to music, uh, but I was always drawn to writing. As soon as I got my guitar at 14, I pretty much played A minor and E minor for hours, lit a candle, locked myself in my room, and never wanted to come out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember my dad knocking on the door and said, your mother wants, wants me to talk to you. You need to come down out of your room sometimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's not a fairly typical way of starting, but I, um, I have always, always written, no matter whether I was performing or not. And after my daughter was born, I stopped the little bit of performing I had been doing, and I took care of family obligations that I totally loved to do. And I began my own massage therapy practice as well. But once my daughter was out of the house, I um, the songs and the music just didn't let me go. And I really wanted to focus very, very keenly on getting the music out there and what I needed to do to fully immerse myself in the whole music, folk specifically, world and how to get heard. And that was a big giant different step for me from being on the being at the kitchen table and with this new album love and fire it's really done so beautifully that all my effort and focus has been really really uh flowering yes i've got a cat here but uh, and your cat is very excited about it <laughs> my cat is very excited he's kind of like my daughter when she was little if i was on the phone she it would have been fine hanging out together as soon as i get on the phone Mommy, you know, get off the phone, get off the phone. My cats are kind of the same way. If I'm talking on the Zoom or on the phone, it's like, hey, hey, cat, cat here. Yeah, anyway. You know I'm here. <laughs> yeah, so I actually, I look at my music because sometimes, sometimes I veer away from it and say, ah, what is this, this whole music business? And oh, there's so much to take care of. And you have to be your own publicist. Forget about just the music making. You have to do everything else nowadays. And I struggle sometimes with uh, why am I doing this? And then I keep coming back to the love of the music and the love of the process of creating and the love of the process of sharing and connecting with others through music and have people come up to me afterwards with tears in their eyes saying, that song or this song really, really struck home. I love your music. It means so much to me that that is kind of an extraordinary thing to have happen. So it's my inner guru is what I like to say. It, it, it humbles me because when you put your stuff out there, people are going to have opinions and, you know, and everyone's welcome to their opinions. But uh, it's important to do that. I think it's important for every artist to go out there and see what's, what sticks and, and keep working on your craft and become devoted to it. So I've become a de uh, having this devotional nature toward my music and toward the process of songwriting toward the process of learning how to how to sing in a way that I feel is really best for each song and it's not necessarily the same not necessarily the same for each song and uh, of course learning how to play uh, in different tunings and all this it's just it's endless what you can learn to do I'm really gratified that I can continue doing it, especially since I didn't start doing it in earnest in my 20s, like you. Now I'm making up for lost time. So it's uh, it's going well and moving quickly. <laughs> and, which is fantastic. And you brought this up already, and I really want to kind of touch more upon it. There's so much that artists have to do these days much more than before, you know, the, the typical stereotypical route of music was if you wanted to be successful, you got signed to a record label, the record label did everything. And then you just kept moving forward from there. And hopefully you wouldn't get screwed over in contracts. But right. nowadays artists, if you want to be successful and you want to get out there, there's so much more that you have to be able to do in this, this virtual network that we have, that is the internet and trying to market and publicize, uh, do everything for yourself. So I want to just kind of touch upon what has that part 
of your learning process been for you trying to learn how to publish your stuff to find the right producers or produce your stuff market yourself tell me about uh things on that end of everything i live in tacoma park maryland it's an area that's really rich with all kinds of artists and right up the street is where i recorded love and fire and charlie pilzer who owns the studio co-produced love and fire with me so i i just had to walk up the street to do this work i am not a real happy camper when it comes to sit in front of the computer i i tend to lose my focus sometimes and um I mean, I'm a massage therapist, a dancer, and a musician, and sitting in front of a computer can be daunting. But I have been learning how to how to do more and more things. And at first, I thought, oh, how could I manage the website and the Facebook page and Bandcamp and all these different platforms? But now I'm I'm starting to get some things are running themselves. Other things I still have to learn, and I have so much more to learn. Um, as far as a publicist, I you know, I do my own promo, but I'm going to be actually meeting with a publicist uh, to talk to talk to them about what it is a publicist is looking for in order to get bigger, reach more people uh, on print. In print, whether it's print virtual or print any other way, there's a lot to learn. I've kind of enjoyed learning it in spite of myself, you know, learning to be your own producer for these, these you know, podcasts or these live streams. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like a high wire and everyone's watching and you know, it's like, well, let's see what happens. Whoa, that was weird. What just happened there? You froze. Are you there? What happened to you? you know, or, or your, your guitar sounds like it's underwater and being chewed up by crocodiles. But man, it sounds great. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a learning, it's a learning process and I have to enjoy it. And that's great that you're finding so much love in the processes of all of it and being able to adapt to everything, but also to note on the fact that you're meeting a publicist and talking about you went down the street to record and working with Charlie Pilsner. It's also about the team and the network that you create as well. And it really it is a team process. Yes, there's so much you, you can and try to do on your own. But the moment that you can bring in people that you trust and collaborate with well it can take things to a whole new level, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, absolutely. I have wonderful musicians that I, I trust very much, and I'm graced to have that. And working with Charlie was interesting because he really always supported my point of view, but then would gently turn it in some ways that needed to be turned. He was really masterful at it. Um, I purposely wanted this particular album to be very folk-oriented in the sense that I had no, no big-time full drum set set for example a drum kit no 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 my first album which also did well in the local world i didn't promote it to radio but the first album songs from the talking house won the whammy award for a folk contemporary or contemporary folk album of the year but that one had i was much more produced i had a lot of fun doing layerings and saying oh let's do all this harmonies coming in and uh, walls of sound here and there but when i would take that cd to these various regional folk alliance conferences they'd say hey we're not going to play it. It's a folk station. And essentially, I'm a singer-songwriter. So I pared it all down on purpose. And we kept it simple but beautiful. And Charlie was really helpful in knowing just what to add and what not to add. He's got quite a few Grammy nominations and, and Grammy awards for his work. So he's got them on the walls in the studio. It's a beautiful studio. Very, very nice. Yeah, no, it sounds great to be able to be, able to be working with him. And it's funny uh, what you're saying that this is too produced or too much for for folk. Kind of reminds me of, you know, the classic story of Bob Dylan going electric and how everybody wanted to pull the plug on him at the at the festival. And everybody was like, how could you do this? But, you know, music is not linear. It flows and it goes in so many different directions. And there should be no way, one definitive way of defining anything. But I also mm -hmm. find it cool in your experience 
that you strip back to the roots of who you are and kind of like, this is where I am. This is who I am. And this is what I'm doing. So that's awesome. All at the same time. I, I really love hearing all that. That's, that's cool to hear. And it, and it turns out to be rather practical because the, the amount of airplay it's getting all around the country, it's starting to build an audience for me. And it's so expensive to tour that if oh, I was, if I had tried to put out some sort of album uh, on the rock, in a rock or, or different kind of alternative labels, um, it would be kind of silly because I can't afford to bring a whole band with me. So yeah. I can't afford to put myself in the 2006 Honda SUV and uh, <laughs> drive around the country, which was what I was about to do before COVID hit. So, Well, right before COVID hit, I was about to hit the road in my 2003 Saturn Ion and travel along the East Coast, but that didn't happen either. <laughs> so. Yeah, what a drag, huh? What a wow. drag. That kind of segues into what I wanted to talk about next. COVID-19 was drastic to absolutely everything across the globe. But as I've stressed very much on this, uh, on this series, it has severely hit the arts. So I wanted to talk about what COVID-19 has done to you as an artist and what kind of things have you done to kind of work around some of the struggles that the pandemic has brought? Well, like everyone, like you and me and every other songwriter or performer out there, we were shut down. So I was about to start on a small tour down south from here, south from Maryland into, into Virginia and North Carolina and all the way down to uh, Georgia. And... Of course, I got shut down, but uh, uh, my friend who I was sharing the gig in Black Mountain, North Carolina, she said to me, well, why don't we just live stream it? I hadn't live streamed at that point and happened to have a, <laughs> a light ring that I bought. I had bought six months earlier thinking I should get one of those, if, you know, just doing home videos on my phone, um, but I never used it. And another friend of mine, oh, maybe two years earlier, had given me this old iRig um, adapter that had just an XLR outlet and it plugs right into your phone. And I didn't really know what I would be using it for, but I thought, I felt like kind of a cave, a cave woman with these things in my hand and said, hmm, what can I do with these? I have a phone. I have this eye ring that, you know, this this ring that actually also, this light that has a phone holder on it. You can't see it, but it's here. And this eye ring, and I plugged in my eye ring to my loud box, to my Myrtle microphone, turned on the phone, turned on the ring light, and it really went well. And the funny thing was, is that we shared each other's stream, right? We would have been performing to maybe an audience of 40 or 50 if we were lucky in this tiny little art gallery in Black Mountain. Um, Flood is called the Flood Gallery. It's a sweet gallery and they support their local and touring artists with their shows. But um, we ended up streaming to all around the country and introducing ourselves to a much wider audience and also pulling in much more money than we would have pulled in otherwise. It was at the beginning of the pandemic. Our, our sound, thankfully, was quite good, especially for just starting out. And people, we had the sympathy vote, you know? It's like, oh, we just lost all our gigs. And, you know, everyone was kind of excited and, you know, and going, oh, poor kids, let's help them out. And, you know, people were really, really generous. And uh, I think people have gotten a little tired, more tired of it or a little tapped out. But that was, that was the beginning of me really learning how to do the live streaming. And I've written a lot of songs during COVID. Being a, a massage therapist, uh, as well as a singer songwriter, I also lost that income. So uh, pretty much me and the cats and the kitchen table and my guitars. <laughs> um, so I've been able to write a lot and I'm setting up my Patreon page. So it's giving me time to do some of these things in between just kind of spacing out and wondering where days have gone because it's hard to keep focused all this time. And it's hard to keep 
connected and sometimes I struggle with feeling like, oh, I gotta get out of bed today. But yeah, get out of bed. That's better than staying in bed. But sometimes it's been hard and I know it's hard for all of us. And uh, yet I have been lucky in that I have not gotten sick. My family so far has been has been okay. Uh, but uh, it's been quite a time, both of real tragedy and also bringing an awareness to the whole world how connected we are. Really wild. People dying all around the world and everyone seeing how connected we are and what our, our actions are, are, are creating and this wide disparity in opportunity and wealth. And we're really being able, it's pulling the covers pack on, on some of the darkness that was swept under the under the rug so when people say i can't wait till we get back to normal i hope that we come out of this with real strong desire to change our systems and to make more equitable our everything <laughs> so it could be a real dawning of a new awareness and a new activism actually that's how i feel COVID has uh, affected me and a lot of people around me that i know so no. and how we get to reach i get to i'm, I'm playing to people in australia how could, how does that happen you know it's, like, it's a lot cheaper than taking a ticket you know so <laughs> amen to that yeah this pandemic has brought a lot of struggles and it brought a lot of unknowns a lot of fears a lot of potential darkness but you know it became a whole period of discovering new things that we wouldn't have had the chance to before new yeah. outlets new avenues to take advantage of i think that's incredible and i'm glad that the live streaming's gone so well and i'm glad that the music's getting out there for you yeah i i hope so too i hope uh, when people say i hope it goes back to normal I'm like no i hope it gets i hope we go to something better than normal you know uh, this is a transitionary period for everybody it's kind of a launching pad and as you said with patreon you're getting that set and you're getting a number of other things set it's another example of that just kind of boosting up ready for the next step which i i think is fantastic and i look forward to whatever comes in that next step for you which is great so really happy to hear all that yeah, yeah. Well, where uh, I'm going to be using my Patreon page as a, a way to try out different producers in the area, and you know, maybe even down in Nashville, there's a couple of people I'd like to check out down in Nashville. It's a good place for singer-songwriter types as well. Cool. Wouldn't that be fun? I got a couple of friends in Nashville and uh, learning a little bit through them about the place. So one day I'll make it down there myself. I think it's about time for our second song. So yeah, this next song that we're going to be showcasing is a song almost from Love and Fire, which we'll get into the more of the album as a whole after the song break. But right now we're focusing on the one song, Almost. And now what I have here about the song, it, breaking away from deep love is never easy and a very passionate kind of song this is. And I can only imagine a lot of people are going to be able to relate being away from love with the pandemic and how difficult these relationships and strains can be. So can you tell us about, uh, about the song and where you were with it? Uh, give us a little background on it. Well, the background is it's a song I wrote for my ex-husband who I will love till the day I die. And I wrote the song because it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, sometimes, even if you love someone really deeply, right relationship might not be to be married. And that, that was very, 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 very hard for me to come to grips with. And it's taken a while, but we have, have come to a new, a new relationship and a new sense of love that kind of transcends the sometimes confining or not right fit of marriage <laughs> you know it's a it's it's tricky i'm sure if i were young and uh in my 20s and met him again i probably would just do the same thing again <laughs> so mm. <laughs> you know it's a song about love and trying to find your way um Trying to find your way through another way of being together. 
That's powerful. And I love that. And I can't wait for all of you guys to hear this song too. So again, this is Almost by Annette Waslick. I'm getting used to sleeping alone, almost, almost, almost. Sometimes this house feels like a home, almost, almost, almost. Our loneliness rolled in Settled in the cracks, settled in the walls. Now I'm wondering, maybe I couldn't see as I was reaching out for you. You were reaching out for me. Looks like the weather, the storm. Like a tumbleweed blows Got a homesick feel Everywhere I go I know it's for the best But this much is true The strongest roots I have Take me to We heard two songs off of Love and Fire, and we have one more song to listen to in a little bit. But I want to take this moment to talk about the album as a whole right now. We keep mentioning it. Now it's time that we just kind of talk about it straight up. It was ranked number six on the Folk DJ chart, number one on the NACC chart, and then number 40 for the 2020 Folk DJ chart. That's fantastic. This album is going places for you. As you mentioned, songs are getting played all over the place. You're getting on the radio. There's a number of buzz from this, and it's getting positive reviews. So please tell us, where where did this album come from? How Tell us about this process about it. I'm, prob- I'm sure there must be so much. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Um, yeah. Well, where do we start? Well, it's a collection of songs that are mostly... A very personal. The title track is the song that I wrote most recently uh, of those tracks on the album. 
I didn't even know what I was going to call the album until that song appeared. And that song is a personal song about my family, and I dedicate it to my mom and my dad. And we were about to go into the mastering process, and I had recorded Love and Fire. And since it was a new song, often when I, I start singing or re writing a song, it's late at night, and I'm trying to be quiet, or I'm just singing in a lower register. And uh, so I had played it uh, in one key, and I listened to it, and it was just not quite there. And I said, Charlie, I need to re-record it. I was hesitant to do it because I was on uh, a time, time crunch. But I just, it just wasn't right. I went into the studio and we did it again, just a half step higher and it made all the difference mm. and it came to life. And it was a song that is so close to me. And it's a song about my mom that I thought this is, this is an homage to my mom. And also on the album is a song. There are two covers. One is Kentucky Babe. And that song is a lullaby that my mom would sing to us kids. Uh, and singing on that lullaby with me is my sister, Mariana, Mariana Previty Wasilik. And she's a fantastic uh, musician, singer, and trumpet player. She's She has always been the musician in the family. I was the dancer, and, you know, I would do this music all in my room kind of thing <laughs> but she was out there out there from the very get-go so um she, i wanted her to join me on the album and she did and so we we just sing that song a cappella as if mom was singing to us so it's it's a song that is close to my heart too so um and the other cover song is uh, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right by this fellow named Bob Dylan. You might have heard of him in passing. <laughs> so it's, I look at the whole album as uh, sort of an introductory to places I love and people I love and stories of some people I've met along the way. Highway is a, a song about a woman I actually met in uh, Chincoteague Island, her name was Sky, and she was a real traveler, a real seeker, and she hitchhiked. She found herself kind of on this place, on this island. She had no idea she was gonna land there. And I thought, my God, that's a great story. So I uh, wrote Highway, uh, inspired by her. And Don't Look Down is kind of a done in a <laughs> gospel, country gospel kind of cheer up, cheer up, everybody. <laughs> I wrote that for the Acoustic Guitar Project, um, which is a cool project that we do all around the world, about 300 or more cities around the world. And the impetus was to get to just to boost people to, to write more songs. The way it worked when I did it was that... Uh, each of us songwriters, and at the time there were 10 of us chosen, had this one guitar for a week. We had a week to write the song, upload it to their website, sign the guitar, and then we'd hand it off to the next songwriter. And so here we are under pressure to write a song in a week, and a decent song, and which is not always easy. And that song came to me pretty quickly. And... Uh, uh, a lot of people seem to like it, and that's where that song came from. And um, let me see what else is going on in that song. You know, there's just other love songs and crying in your whiskey love songs and you saved my life love songs and <laughs> other stuff like that. Yeah, there's some dark songs in here. I'm 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 really glad that I got as many as much uh, as there are some dark places in this album but i am really pleased that it got such good response and uh, i really do dedicate it to my family if you actually buy the cd it's really beautiful i love the photos that uh, uh dominic sakala took he's a local uh, singer songwriter and fantastic photographer but he took these beautiful beautiful photos and that's pictures of my of my family and photos of my altar and it's a it's really a quite a personal album next one might not be quite so personal it's all good it's whatever we find inspiration in and choose to use as our muse at the time 
it's quite something when you can be so vulnerable and stripped down in a project and just release it and how it's so much beautiful in the darkness and in the juxtaposition with the light. So no, it's, it's very profound and absolutely love that. So for any, anybody out there, you guys should definitely check out this album, Love and Fire. You can check it out on her website. You can find it online and uh, who knows, maybe you're going to find one of her songs playing on your radio station sometime soon, or maybe you already have. I don't know. But uh, you definitely check out this music. Before we get into the very last song, uh, there's one thing that I really wanted to bring up. You have something coming up really, really soon with the Folk Alliance International's virtual conference that's uh, starting on February 22nd, I believe, correct? Correct. Yes. So can you get into uh, what you're going to be doing with them? Well, this is the grandmother of all the Folk Alliance conferences. This is called the International One. And last year it was held um, in New Orleans. And that's the first time I ever went to the Folk Alliance conference. And I went mostly because it was in New Orleans and I'd never Mm -hmm. been to New Orleans. And I am chemically forever altered after having to New Orleans, you know. I barely remember the Folk Alliance Conference, but I do remember New Orleans. We are related. (laughs) Oh, man, it's amazing. Anyway, so this is a conference that goes on. Usually it's in Montreal. It was in Kansas City, and I think it's going to be back. It may be back in Montreal next time it meets. I mean, this is the first time they've gone virtual, so it's kind of a big old Wild West thing going on, and all of us uh, musicians uh, from all over the world will be will be live streaming with our bands and with our solos. <laughs> and I'm bringing I'm bringing people on to my own live stream. Uh, I will be with a couple of wonderful local people here in the D.C. area. Wednesday, I'm going to be uh, sharing an hour with Tom Prasada Rao, who is a giant in the singer-songwriter folk community. And that will be, I think it's from, oh, 7.30 to 8.30 on Wednesday night. But anyway, you can find that on my websites and things. But yeah, we're, we're just, we're all, all of us are just sort of descending upon the internet and seeing what happens. I mean, we're, I think, I think a lot of us just thought, well, let's, what the heck, let's just see what happens. And so uh, um, they're going to be really well-known people and really obscure people. And almost everyone is a fantastic uh, musician and songwriter. So it's a, you ought to check it out. If not just to see my stuff, see, there's so much going on. It's like too much going on for my, for my capacity to take in stimuli. <laughs> I mean, that's why the Folk Alliance uh, conference I went to last year was uh, great, but it was a blur. It was a complete blur because there's just so much happening constantly. You know, no sleep, all music. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I've been to a couple of uh, conferences now in the realm of the music industry, and yeah, they are always such a whirlwind. So I, I can imagine. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. But this is phenomenal. That's absolutely phenomenal to hear. And where can people check out these performances, yours and those around you? Where can people go to see everything starting on the 22nd? Well, you can go to the FAI or Folk Alliance Unlocked website. So if you go to Folk Alliance, there will be links to their website. Also on my uh www.annettewaslick.com website. There'll be links to to my uh, showcases, and they will be available through directly the Folk Alliance website or through my YouTube channel or my Facebook, my Annette Waslick uh, Facebook channel, both my music and personal page. So uh, there'll be different ways you can see it, but. All of these links were, will be uh, connected to YouTube. So all of the musicians, they will be having, you can see them both going through the Folk Alliance website, or you can just go onto YouTube if you've got the URL for the video and you'll be able to see the live streams that way. 
Beautiful. No, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I'm trying to clear some space that week. So I do have time to check that all out, at least part of it. As he said, it's a whirlwind of an experience. So, um, but see how much I can get into that. So that's really cool. So Annette, um, let's get into the very last song that you're going to be showing showing us today uh the world is on fire it you have expressed time and time again you're deeply in love with humanity and the world and just bringing it all together and how music stems from that it it's it's a beautiful the song's a beautiful ode to all that so can you tell us a little bit about the song and um you even mentioned to me before this was the uh first produced video that you've ever had so congratulations on that Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, the world's on fire. So I remember starting to write this song. It was in the winter, two years ago, probably, if not longer. And I started thinking about, um, <laughs> I was going global too quickly. And sometimes with songs, if you get too big, too fast, it's just as overwhelming. And I had just seen drone footage of, um, of the bombing in Syria, particularly home, um, the city in Syria, and it was just shocking. And um, I began to try to write about that, but I, I was kind of uh, overwhelmed by it. I began to just think about everyone being in a uh, time of, of trauma, and, and what is it that we do when we are feeling most vulnerable or most upset and we turn to the people who are close to us for love and tenderness that's before we can do anything you know and uh at least that's that's what i would do the cat agrees <laughs> and the cat agrees <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and uh, so that that turning of a being overwhelmed by all the all the difficulty and darkness and war and ravaging of the planet being so overwhelming, the shift of what what helps heal that? What do you do in the in spite of it, in the midst of it? Is you 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 seek tenderness in the midst of it, and that helped me. That helped give me my course, give me the organizing principle, if you will. Of the, of the song. It's really touched a lot of people, which makes me very, very happy that uh, a song could do that, you know? <laughs> it's crazy, but uh, yeah. It's quite wonderful, and it's a wonderful song, so I can only imagine that the listening audience will find it as wonderful as you are and as wonderful as the song is. So for everybody to check out right now, this is... The World is on Fire, again, by Annette Waslick. Precious world Green and Rocky cliffs are 
Thank you so much for coming on to this episode. This has been phenomenal to catch up, learn more about your music career, get into depth on the music. This has absolutely been great. Are there any final comments that you have you want to share with the Walsh Wednesday listening audience? Mm, great. I want to share this. Follow what you love. I know that sounds pretty woo-woo and trite, but it's really a pathway to becoming more fully here and happy to be here and it supports you so follow what you love and don't ever give up and don't think it's too late because it's not too late absolutely wonderful and we've touched on this a little bit already but where should people go to find you and follow you and check out everything uh you have your website your facebook your instagram your patreon your youtube uh Am I missing anything? Tell, tell us directly. We'll have it all in the links, too. Okay. Well, I, I'd appreciate if people started following me on Spotify. I think I have, like, it depends where I look. It's like eight followers or 35, somewhere in between there. So <laughs> I haven't been cultivating my Spotify market particularly, but uh, I'm on Spotify and all those different platforms. And yes, Annette Wasilik Music. Um, I'm, I do broadcast there as well as I do have a Net Wasilik uh, YouTube station if you want to subscribe to that. And uh, yeah, on the website and uh, soon to be up and running Patreon site. Um, yeah, that's enough for now, don't you think? I mean, I'm on Bandcamp and bands in town and uh, what else is out there? Good Lord, it's hard for me to keep track. I don't have my notes. Hey, that's good to be out there. And uh, if there's anything that you want to throw in there later, just send me the links and it'll all be in the description. And you can check out all of these links, everything that she's mentioned already, all in the description. Plenty to check out. It's very exciting. Um, and should you go down that rabbit hole, you'll be very excited and very pleased that you did. So again, Annette, thank you so much for coming on to this episode. Greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you, Connor. It's been a kick. Thank you very much. And I wish you the best of luck with everything you do. And when you come down, you must come down and play in one of my whatever I do because I've been having concerts on the porch during COVID. And it's well, been beautiful. amazing. <laughs> oh, I look forward to it. That sounds fantastic. We'll have to yeah. get that set up sometime. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Again, this has been Annette Waslick and Connor Walsh on Walsh Wednesday, the Reflective Series. As always, I'm glad we get to spend some time.